This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome back to a special edition of the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Taylor Sokol. Taylor, this is kind of a special thing. We, you know, 30th anniversary, 30th. You have to remember that I'm 34 now, and you were 33, correct? 32. 32. Who's counting? Who's (laughs) counting? I don't know. Someone's counting. 30 years ago, this year, Disney released the animated classic. Now, it really is a classic now. Aladdin, their 31st animated feature film, the Arabic folktale 1001 Nights. So we, we kind of all know the story of Aladdin, but I feel like a lot of people are introduced to that through the animated film. 30 years, that's kind of mind-blowing to think. Obviously, a lot has come from the Aladdin franchise since then. We're going to get to that a little later. Yeah, yeah. But man, Aladdin... This is during that great golden age that Disney was having, you know, from Little Mermaid. Yeah, the, the Disney Beast. Renaissance. Yeah, and that, I mean, and, and it's now we're talking about this. There's a slew of all these kind of remakes, but you know, you and I were primed age for some of just the the ultimate classics of Disney, and um, I think we've talked about this in this podcast before. But Aladdin definitely would have to be if I had to pick one animated Disney film or even Disney in general, I have to pick the original Aladdin. It just has been my, like when I think childhood, I think that movie. Well, it's, it's one, it's a very fun adventure film, but you have these great characters and obviously the songs are very iconic. Um, Directed by John Musker and Ron Clements, who directed multiple films for Disney. And of course, Alan Menken uh, writing the music Mm -hmm, for this, who, uh, Al Menken is no stranger to Disney. He's done so many things. But yeah, a lot of things work for this film. I think there's things you could look at for other Disney films, and there's a similar formula, of course, but something's really unique about Aladdin. And even the the kind of, you know, a lot of these fairy tale and folktale based stories, there's always like a lesson learned or, you know, a lesson of like, oh, uh, you know, don't be too greedy or don't do this, you know, don't lie. This one is very simple. It's a simple like, what if you had the power to change your life? How far would you go? Mm-hmm. And then realizing in the end, really just being yourself is all you need. You know, that's a very powerful message. We've seen in so many stories over time, but we really fight for Aladdin. We really like, we have a love for this character because first off, we're really sad for him. He is this quote-unquote street rat i mean he 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 has a great view but he has no money he's just this poor kid that 
hasn't had a dad in his life. We don't know what happened to his mom. Mom is probably, you know, dead. And he's just like living with this monkey trying to make ends meet. And by make ends meet, steal ends meet. You know, it's like he's he's a sad character. You're kind of like, but he's got this chip on his shoulder. There's something about him. He's like, he's willing to kind of take chances and take risks, you know? And he he, he knows that he's he's there's a better life out there for him. He's like, the, he knows that I have to still survive, but there's something else out there. And something like someday, Abu, you know, he's he always look, you said the best view. The best view in Agrabah and didn't have to pay for that. <laughs> and uh, he looks out and he's like, there's, there's one day I'm going to, we're going to be, we're going to be powerful, be rich because he thinks that's, what's going to be a better life, but he knows there's something better for him out there. And that's, yeah. And that's that the amazing start of that premise. Yeah. And something you always look at him looking at the palace. And even though you would look at the palace as this huge building and you think of riches, really what's, what's going to make his better life is Jasmine. He's going to find his love. That's going to, you know, make him whole. But of course, when you look at Aladdin and you think of, well, the, the adventure part of this is we have this this cave of wonders. We have this whole mystical cave that is just full of riches and jewels and gold and trinkets. And that alone is like just a fun kind of uh, mystical kind of premise. So you're like, like, I love the animation of the cave, this kind of tiger mouth opening and, you know, Welcome to the cave. I know. Who disturbs you know, my slumber? Very creepy. And, yeah. uh, you know, Aladdin going in there exploring. And and there is, I think, also that nature of, like, there is some, like, close to death experiences that Aladdin goes through. Oh, yeah. That he clearly is helped by the one and only. Not only has he has a boo, he yeah. has his carpet, his magic carpet. And then the one and only genie who... Really, you know, obviously, those who know us know we're we're still big fans of Robin Williams, and the world definitely lost a huge icon when he passed. This is one of those unique films where you can look at so many animated films and you go, "I love that voice performance. I love that." The genie stands out as something really special. Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, that that role that role was tailor made. I'm not trying to be funny here with my name, but it was Taylor made for Rob Williams. And as you said, up until that point, yeah, you have an iconic voice and sometimes they, but Rob Williams broke the mold voicing that character because from that point on, it changed the game, the face of voice acting in film. And it's just what he brought to that role, like, you know, so zany and so funny. And it's it made, I think that's also a great thing about Aladdin is it's made it so quotable. That I and half the time, if you quote that movie, you're either singing the songs or you're quoting something Rob Williams, and you're actually quoting him doing impressions of other people. So how many times I've been like, "All right, Sparky, here's the deal," you know. And of course, you know, I always think I can't believe it. I'm I always go, "Yeah, I'm losing to a rug." The thing with yeah, I think what's kind of neat too is you look at the uh, his supervising animator Eric Goldberg. A lot of these roles, the characters designed to look the way the animator has, you know kind of depicted what the director has looked at. They actually put Robin's face into the genie. You know, it looks like Robin Williams with this, these, these pointy ears and the pointy nose, but like really taking a lot of his mannerisms from the voice recordings and trying to put those into, and just the, the quick nature of, he, you know, he can just turn into anything at any time. He can multiply himself. He has one of the best songs. I mean, like it's just a larger than life character. That has become, you know, now it's kind of crazy. Look at the legacy of that. Now we have Genie Plus at uh, all the Disney parks. So uh, the character is still, you know, cooking and he's doing a lot of stuff. But um, yeah, you got, you got Scott Wagner in here as Aladdin. And I, I, I've always enjoyed uh, his work in this. Uh, Linda Larkin as Jasmine. Uh, we have the late Gilbert Gottfried was Iago. Uh, but, you know... You can't have a hero without his villain. No. And when it comes to Aladdin and the pantheon of the great Disney villains, we have a villain in this who is uh, quite high on the rank scale for me, um, if, if not supreme. I mean, he, is, he was known as the Grand Vizier. So, I mean, it's... The and, Grand Vizier, I yes. Uh, the, we have the, uh, the creepy, the tall, the Maniacal. slim... The maniacal, the 
the snake Jafar, uh, who's a great character. I mean, I remember the first time even seeing this movie. You know, I always kind of had a thing for villains. I always kind of felt like even though they they come to their upcuppings at some point, there's something I just love about villains. It's something that's enticing about them. Although the dark, I mean, you're talking about okay. First of all, we talk about the opening of this movie. First of all, we we get this great you know Arabian Nights song, and then we have. That whole, and I could quote that whole thing with Robin Williams being the little peddler. And then you have the scene where you're first he broke. I know, <laughs> Julian Fries. And he has, then you meet, okay, Jafar. And he's just, it's just so menacing. He's meeting, creepily meeting this little beggar guy in the desert. And you are, and just has that voice. And then, then later introduce him. And like, and this is early on as a kid's movie. This little twist at the like early in the film, like, oh, whoa, that creepy guy in the desert, he works for the Sultan. <laughs> yeah, he works for the Sultan and he's a uh, he's trying to get Jasmine too at the same time. You're just like, oh, okay, creeper. And he wants the lamp. So again, that whole connected tissue of, yeah. oh, he needs someone to help him get the lamp, uses Aladdin. So of course, Jafar at the end of the day has to kind of bite his own butt that he ended up giving Aladdin the lamp. And then the rest, you know, goes on from there. But you know. Taylor, yeah, this is exciting for us to talk about because uh, I'm I've been I've been dying to yell this out because uh, yeah uh, we uh, we're super excited uh, we've been wanting to do this episode you know to wrap up the year the special episode but then we got a the guest of all guests we we had to, we had to have someone to talk about Aladdin we couldn't just have anyone and we are super stoked to introduce our guest that we had to come on and celebrate. 30 years of Aladdin and the one and only the OG, the original voice of Jafar. We have Jonathan Freeman, Jonathan Freeman, longtime Broadway actor, actor for the screen and voice actor. Uh, So we were very excited. We got to sit down with him and talk to him all about his time spent as Jafar, the continued legacy of Aladdin and even into work on stage for the Broadway musical in his same role. So enjoy this interview with Jonathan Freeman. Yeah, we we definitely wanted to uh, have this chat with you because uh, this is a pretty big monumental year with the 30th anniversary of Aladdin uh, coming no. out. I know. And- I was just actually in Rhode Island with Linda Larkin. Oh. Oh, and wow. we were like, can you believe it's 30 years? 30 years. And Where that got it? us thinking, you know, it was like kind of crazy to think of just Aladdin as a franchise. What has all happened in 30 years? Yeah. Wow. But going back to really the beginning of that film for you, what was the... What was the casting process like? You know, I think a lot of people nowadays we're seeing some new trends with voice acting in terms of, you know, in terms of casting. But I think back then, what was the casting process like? Or how did the role of Jafar come to you in the first place? Well, there, gosh, there were several, several factors, you know, nothing mm-hmm. ever like just like one thing. I mean, yeah, yeah. anyway, <clears throat> um, First of all, at the time, I had a representative, wonderful representative named Diana Rolnick, who was also very interested in animation. And we had had a conversation that at some point that I wanted to get involved with Disney animation department because it had been a lifelong dream of mine to do the voice of a Disney villain. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and then at some point in the not too distant future from that conversation, it turned out that Alan Menken and Howard Ashton had a three-picture deal at um, Disney. And um, I had auditioned for them many years before for the original production of Little Shop of Horrors, which I did not get, but uh, I had a great audition. And uh, for me, a great audition is just like leaving an audition not feeling like a piece of crap. You know, I, I left the audition and... <laughs> I felt really good about myself because they're both such gentlemen and they're both so smart and they were both so eager to have me do the best I could do in the audition. I guess that's the best way to see it. So anyway, say it. So, um, so there was that. 
And when I walked out of there, I remember thinking to myself, well, even if I don't get this, I hope I get to work with them at some point. So that's again, many years later. Then uh, the third part to the story is I was doing a, a, a very weird off-Broadway musical called In a Pig's Valise with Nathan Lane and Reggie Cafe and Ada Maris and a bunch of really great people, but it was completely bizarre. Um, and the music and lyrics were written by Kid Creole and the Coconuts. And that particular, <laughs> I know it was it was completely insane. And there was a theme that had to do with Disney. It had to do with Walt Disney being cryogenically frozen. That was like part of. The oh plot. yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I was playing like I was playing the villain in the piece, but a very odd in a very odd way. Anyway, so. That particular show was cast by a wonderful man named Albert Tavares. Albert Tavares, a few years after having done that production, turned out was casting uh, Aladdin for Disney. So all of those three things kind of came together, and uh, I did not I did not manage to get in on Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast, and I was kind of. You know, was I was I felt like my my clock, my 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 Disney, my biological Disney clock was running out. And then Albert Tavares, I guess, is the one that brought me in for Disney. And the process is the same as auditioning for just about anything. You know, you have to do the work, you have to read the text. And it. I guess in a sense, it's different because they sent me a, a preliminary drawing of what Jafar was going to look like. Jafar, that not Andreas. Uh, Deja's drawing, but something that was had some of the same qualities to it. I think it may have even been done by John Musker, who was the one of the producers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they're both John and Ron were uh, Ron Clemens and John Musker were animators. Uh, so, in addition to being wonderful writers and wonderful directors. So that's really what happened. And I, I went into a room probably, you know, a quarter of the size of the room you're sitting in now with my uh, my accompanist and um, Albert Tavares and a reel-to-reel tape recorder because, you know, it was 1990, 1990. And uh, that was my first audition. I just sing something and, and do some scenes and then it was three months and then I finally got a call back and I went into a room that was completely different. It was, it was, uh, I don't know, at least a dozen people in suits at one end of the room. And I didn't know any of them. <clears throat> I think I might've recognized Howard and Alan, but I was so nervous. I don't know that I, I don't really remember much about that. And, um, <clears throat> They had like a little platform at one end of the room and a piano there. And they said, we just want you to do the same audition you did last time. And so I stepped up to the microphone and I started to sing and I saw everybody at the end of the room go like this. They just were covering their eyes. Oh, no. Just, well, no, I, I realized it took me a few minutes to process it while I was still doing my audition that they were just listening for a voice. Oh, yeah, good point. Like, you know, I mean, the fact that I was uh, an actor... You know, I was I was coming in to be a voice. It had nothing to do with me, my physical presence, what my face looked like, what my body looked like, my, my body language. None of that mattered. Uh, so that was my call back. And then I had then there were three more months after that. I didn't hear from anybody. And then right before Christmas of that year, I got a call from my agency saying you booked the job. Awesome. Wow. That, that's it's a long fantastic. process. I mean, it, it's not something that happens quickly and. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how they do it now. It's probably all done remotely or something. I, I I don't even know. Yeah, the landscape's definitely changed. But you brought up a really good thing leading to the next question. Um, with uh, what was your input, if any, um, into creating the character with animator Andreas Deja? Because obviously, you know, once you had the final look of Jafar, what was the input on your end? Well, I think I'd like to think that I pro I'd probably like to think I had more input than I actually did. <laughs> <laughs> But that having been said, I did bring a piece to the puzzle, which was the voice, which I created in a very specific way based on the drawing and the text. So, um, and because I love animation, I was at the animation uh, offices every time I went into the studio, which was about 
from one to three days every like four to six weeks for a year and nine months. Wow. So I hope I didn't make a nuisance out of myself, Andreas, if you happen to be listening, but I love going over there. I love seeing the progress. I love seeing what was going on. And it's a very long and slow process. And as you probably know, all the editing is done in the voicing process. Yeah. Last thing to really be done is the animation because it would cost too much to edit frames of animation, at least at the time, especially because it was mostly hand-drawn. They were just beginning to use some computer stuff. So I really don't know, but I think it was, I think, I think, I think it was a significant uh, contribution because um, I had nothing to do with the drawing. I had nothing to do with the writing, but I, I brought my voice and, uh, you know, when you're in the room working, you can, you can do what you like. I mean, they, they encourage you to, you know, go to the edge of the cliff and jump off because no one's going to get hurt in animation. <laughs> yeah. I've always loved that about voice animation. You, you know, you really have to kind of give a full physical performance and then how the animators can take some of those bits and put those into the character. I've always loved watching behind the scenes work for voice animation. Oh yeah, I mean the best way to get the best result, I think, I'm I'm speak I can only speak for myself, is you have to physicalize it. You have to act just like you would be acting a scene if you were doing it live. And they film everything. They have two cameras at the time. I think there was one that was like a long shot. So they had your whole body. So they get your body language and then a close-up. So they get all your facial idiosyncrasies and mannerisms and things like that. And that's what made them, <clears throat> what makes, you know, all that old Disney stuff so brilliant. Because if you do a, you know, an inhalation, uh, it's animated in. If they like it, if, that, if that's the take they, they, they use, you know. And it's a long process. You know, in the beginning we worked with, we got a chance to work with the other principals and then eventually you're just working. I was mostly working with um, Gilbert because, you know, he was always on my shoulder. We had a lot of scenes together. I worked with Scott and I worked with Linda. I only had like one day in the studio with Robin because we really, the that's, there's not that many scenes between Jafar and the genie. And uh, it was all great. And then in the end, you're like in a studio, you know, with a reader just going line to line to line to line because they change things constantly. And then eventually you're just alone <laughs> going <laughs> line, to line to line to line. So it's a very, um, the process can be very alienating, I think, if you let it be. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't let it be. I, I stayed very connected and involved with everybody because it was interesting to me. Yeah, it is a very interesting process. I don't think people realize when they go see an animated movie how all that works unless they really know the inner details. We're obviously very big fans of the late Robin Williams and we lost Gilbert this year. Um, oh, yeah. But was minus the you know little experience I guess you would have in the recording sessions, had you worked with any of these actors before? Um, you know, over the years, did you guys keep in touch and all that kind of stuff? Or was it kind of just this unique project i never worked with any of them before and i worked very as i said i think I had in the studio and then one day robin and i were i was going out and he was coming in or something and um that was about the extent of it he was a complete gentleman and wonderful and he was hilarious to work with because both he and gilbert had something in common which is that they came from a stand-up background and so <laughs> any, any more than like three people in the studio constituted an audience they were off and running, you know. I was just like a regular actor that was hired to, you know, I was just doing my thing. And then eventually, you know, I got loosened up because of them, really because of Gilbert. And um, yeah, it was great working with them. It was great working with all of them. And I still see Linda. I mean, <clears throat> we do a few Comic-Con events and things like that, me and Linda and Scott and, and Gilbert until this year. And uh, I stayed in touch with I stay in touch with Linda and Scott and I was very much in touch with Gilbert and um very sad uh for me this because uh you know he's the person I worked with the most and he was he was terrific a lovely guy too really just wonderful completely bizarre as you would expect when he's working <laughs> yeah but that iconic voice just coming through, you know. And also just what an iconic duo. You think of 
um, such a long history of, uh, you know, characters and film, both animated and live action. What a duo, Yago and Jafar. And I think it just, it just seared into the lexicon of Disney and just pop culture that it's, it's great to hear that. Well, I don't, know. I don't even know who we have to thank for that. I think probably Ron and John, because when we started, the, I, was, I, was, I started in the studio like January of 1991 because Howard Ashman was not well and they were trying to finish a song called Humiliate the Boy for Jafar. And uh, you can find it online. All this stuff is in pieces here and there scattered around. And uh, I was actually at the time also playing Iago. It's, and they're, they're, that's the only song in which there's a recording of me playing Iago and Jafar. Because originally he was just supposed to be like a proper little butler or something. And then he was gonna mimic everyone else. So they'd just take their voices and put it in his, in his mouth. You know? Uh, but hiring him was a stroke of genius because it, it, it allowed me to smooth out my character. I didn't have to be psychotic all the time. Let him, let him have all the psychotic behavior and I could save my uh, psychotic break until the end of the film. So it was a great, it was a great bit of casting, genius casting. Yeah, there's, there's moments of almost Abbott and Costello kind of nature with the two of you. I love the, it's the, the villain and his lackey, but with just the over the top very loud and it totally works because he is indeed you know this parent character it's it's great so jonathan you've now you've voiced jafar in two feature films animated series shorts video games and on stage uh, performing live and don't forget the ice show oh, oh okay oh sorry <laughs> now do my research don't forget here. the highlight Thank you I, I gotta give show, credit yes. where it's every uh, yeah. all the credits. Um, what has the, the legacy story there? But I won't tell you. <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, what has the legacy of Jafar been like, uh, and what has it meant to you? Oh, well, it was just a. It, it, you know, in, in the beginning, it was just a great job. I mean, most actors would tell you when they go to work on something, it's it. You know, you you never know. Nobody sets out to make a flop. Everybody wants it to be great. And, and Gilbert and I were on a train going somewhere once and we, we admitted to each other that none, none of us, neither of us could have imagined a million years that would have gone on and on that would have created so much work for us and opportunities for us. Um, I got very involved in fact with the autistic community because of the, the film. Um, it's a great book, Ross kind called Life Animated and it was made into a, a documentary that was nominated for an Academy Award that year, actually. And Gilbert and I are both in that documentary for a few minutes. Um, it, it just was a, it's something that wouldn't have happened without the film. And I, I can't go into it, it's too complicated. We don't have enough time, but um, if you're really interested, you should get a copy of the book, Life Animated. It's terrific. And also uh, watch the, see if you can find the film. I'm sure you can somewhere. Just look it up online. I'm sure, you know, everything's everywhere these days. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so does that answer your question? What was the question? Yeah, I think so. Just the fact that Jafar has, has, has lasted this long with so many different variations. Oh, okay. I mean, me, me and Taylor, we're both uh, fans of the Kingdom Hearts series as well. And we yeah. love all these Disney villains getting to, you know, play into that. And Jafar definitely being a big part of that. Getting to fight... Getting to fight Jafar, you know, in, in different video games is fun too. Yeah. And there's a new one coming out that I just did called um, Disney Kart Racer. Oh, yes, yes. I've heard of this. Oh, wow. I've seen some of uh, it's kind of like the Mario Kart for, for Disney characters, which I think is going to be fun. Yeah. Now, one I wanted to touch on because for me, it means a lot. I myself am an actor, I've been doing stage acting for quite some time. I don't mean to date you here, Jonathan, but <laughs> in terms of nostalgia for me, uh, this you know this movie came out. I was about four years old when I first saw Aladdin in theaters, and then years later, for me to go see you perform Jafar on Broadway was a very thrilling experience for me because not many actors get to play the role they did in a voice role also live on stage. And there's something about no other actors. No, I think you're the only one really I can think of. Right? Yeah. yeah. Very unique experience, and because Jafar has always been such a favorite of mine, I've always loved your voice work, and to see now you live on stage, I mean, what was the process like for you to, now I get to play him 
and here it is in, in, in real life on stage and the musical. What was all that experience like for you? Because for me, it was it was such a great thrill to see you live on stage doing that role. Well, again, it was like a, a, a it was it was it's just another example of what you're talking about. It's like another great opportunity to be able to bring this terrific character to another medium. And I have a I have a history of, of doing a lot of musical theater in New York anyway. And um, it was being produced by Disney. So I knew it would be, you know, eventually once we got it to the right place, it would be produced in first class fashion. So all of it was exciting. Um, I didn't know, I actually, I actually didn't think it was the right thing for me to do in the beginning though. I thought it would be a very bad idea for me to do it. Uh, only because I thought everybody, the only person who will be in the room who will be connected to the animated version would have been Alan Menken, nobody else. So even at the first reading, I was hearing like other voices playing these characters and other, you know, it, it was just like, a, it was a barrage of other ideas and other voices and um, things that I could have imagined, but I didn't really expect how I would hear it. And I thought this is a, I, then I thought this is really a bad idea because I'm not sure I had anything very new to bring to the character after so many years. I mean, there's always something you can find. There were some things that I was able to reinvent a little bit and I had to, I had to because, you know, they had to change an action adventure picture into a musical comedy. So uh, it was a big adjustment and, uh, you know, doing a musical is a lot of work and it took a very long time to get it to Manhattan. I mean, we we had an out-of-town tryout in Seattle, and then we had another out-of-town tryout in uh, uh, Toronto. We were there for three months, I think, or more. You know, we, we were basically there one year for Thanksgiving, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. So it was like the whole, you know, just in another place, not at home. So, you know, you have to, it's a, you just have to dig your heels in because it's a lot and it's, and it's new and it changes constantly. And even after having done it in those two other cities, we were supposed to have a month off before we started again to get it ready for Broadway. And they said, um, it's now only going to be two weeks off and here's a new script. This is what we're starting with when we go back into rehearsal. So it's just constant changes. And so it's hard work, you know, but that's the nature of a musical. It's like, you know, two steps forward, three steps back. Yeah, very true. So that's and it's and it's you know obviously it's a lot different. I mean, I literally could show up to voice the the animated feature in my pajamas, but uh, <laughs> it's you know a whole other thing. And the a Broadway schedule eight times a week. It's very that's demanding. <laughs> yeah, and I and my biological clock was was ticking too. You know, at, at the time, so I thought you know if I'm going to do this, I've got to do it now. Otherwise, you know, I may as well just turn it over to somebody else. Mm. and i i did i did it for eight years um yeah a long time so it was a long time and i i left in january of this year because i just thought it was a good time i i i didn't first of all the pandemic brought everything to a halt for a while mm -hmm. so yeah um that knocked some time out of it and i didn't intend to do it you know forever i i just thought that it was i i really loved everybody i worked with Terrific crew. I'd been in that in that theater for two and a half years before that doing Mary Poppins. So I knew the crews and, you know, everybody was terrific. And I just thought it's better to leave while I'm still in love. Well, you know, in that vein, I mean, eight years in Aladdin has continued to uh, have a life, you know, uh, past the musical, past the animated. And now we've got the live action one came out just recently. I know that the talks making another one for that. Uh, what, were, what were your thoughts on the new adaptation of Aladdin for, you know, live action screen? I know that now with Disney doing all these live actions, it's interesting bringing a new generation uh, to all these properties. What were your thoughts about uh, the newest iteration? Yeah, there's no end to how they can keep reinventing the same material. Um, well, I liked it. I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good adaptation from an adventure standpoint. I thought it, they were able to sort of turn it back into the, the, the adventure aspect of it, uh, you know, put that back into it. Um, if you're trying to get me to talk about 
the guy who played Jafar, I won't, I simply won't do it. Uh, that's fine. That's, that's, that's no, we're not going to do that. We've already, we've already yeah, discussed that. We've already talked about it. I think he's a great, he's a good actor. We, we, I think when you're, when you're too, um, when you're too have the nostalgia of your role, um, I agree with you. I like, I love the action adventure of it. I thought there was some very visual fun stuff, but you know, I'll stick with the animated version at the end of the day. I didn't understand why they made certain choices, but, but you know, the thing is people didn't understand. I'm sure why we made certain choices for the, for the musical version too, but you know, they had to make choices. They were like, okay, no animals, no bird, no tiger, no, whatever else there is in it no birds no you know nothing yeah no so, no abu uh, there's no monkey yeah. no but what people don't realize is that before there before there was an abu the, the monkey there were three friends in yes. the mm -hmm. version so a lot of stuff that was supposed to be in the film came back and some of the some of the the music that was supposed to be in the film that was cut came back and um it was it was good. We even tried out some old Jafar songs out of town uh, that ended up not working. And so Alan wrote that other song, uh, Diamond in the Rough. But, you know, it, it just it's one of those, like I said, three steps forward, two steps back or whatever I said, two steps forward. three steps. Anyway, it's one of those situations that, you know, you just you just have to get on the conveyor belt and you're just there for the ride. And you just it's it's. Uh, you know, so redoing it you know as a live action picture i thought was very exciting and of course i wanted to see it uh i don't know i don't know i i never like watched like what happened with it like i don't know what the viewing audience was like i i assume that it was successful because it's such a great story i mean you know that's it, the it yeah it did pretty well and i feel like as us viewers who have seen, you know, that hasn't been a slew now of these Disney remakes and we have, you know, Little Mermaid coming out next year and we're going to have even more coming up. For me, it was one of the better live action remakes than others. So um, I, I was not surprised that they announced that they're they're looking to do. Maybe, you know, the return of Jafar story or maybe the, you know, King of, you know, you know, Aladdin's dad story. Who knows? They could, there's so many things they could do, and they might do a whole original story. But there was talks that Guy Ritchie would come back to do a, a, a sequel. Not much has come out since. I think the pandemic definitely, uh, as you said, halted some things. Well, you know, we also filmed the stage production in London oh, wow. um, that most people don't know about because nobody knows what happened to it. <laughs> oh, no. It, 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 was in, it was successful in London for about three years, and then... Um, I think Cameron wanted the theater back for Cameron McIntosh wanted the theater back for to put to reinstall Mary Poppins, something like that. And so Disney decided that before that happened, they would just close the Aladdin production a few weeks early. And they called the principal company from English speaking companies all over the world because, you know, it's in Tokyo, it's in Germany. It's uh, I'm talking about the musical version. You know, it's in all these different cities and being very, still being very successful. So anyway, so I went over to London to, to, to film that and uh, it was absolutely beautiful. It was, a, it was a great production. I mean, it was basically the same production on stage, but you know how they do those things now, like they did it with um, Hamilton. So it's, so you know that you're watching a Broadway show and in fact, they had cameras on stage the night that we filmed it with a live audience. So they could shoot through us to see the audience's reaction and stuff like that. They had cameras backstage. It was crazy. And it was very elaborate. And I sure cost a lot of money. So I can't believe that it's not going to resurface at some point. But yeah, so you can especially look at Disney that. Plus. Yeah, especially with Disney Plus. I mean, now they're doing a lot of these uh, with the streaming services, having these stage adaptations. And that was great for me personally, because I never got a chance to see Hamilton. So for me to see it, obviously not the same seeing it live, but seeing a stage production uh, in your home screen. It's, it's well made, I thought. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very. And it, it gives a chance for, you know, since the pandemic did hit the theater community quite hard, gives a chance for people to see it, you know, from their homes, but then still gives you that little oomph to, well, I got to go see it now on stage. I got to see, you know, because there's nothing like seeing a, a musical on stage live. 
Yeah. Jonathan, I want to end here with, you know, as we talked about kind of legacy of this character, Mm -hmm. just how it's felt for you to see Jafar become kind of one of these big icons of the Disney villain catalog. I mean, if you go to the theme parks, uh, the cruise lines, just merchandise alone, you know, you could you can meet Jafar. There's just Aladdin stuff everywhere. There's a lot of more. I think the last couple of years, especially, I'd say the last 10 years, there's a bit more of a push for like these villains, you know, villain knights. They've had these villains type merch where we have all these great villains. And Jafar is always represented. How's it felt for you to have, you know, your character really has become one of the favorite baddies of the Disney catalog? Well, it's exciting. I mean, it was it's always been exciting and and it doesn't it's you know, the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, I'm it was wonderful for me to be able to book the job because like I said, I always wanted to be a Disney villain. That was like as a kid, those are the characters that I responded to, those are the characters that I liked. Those are the characters that to me were the most interesting. Uh, you know, I always say without a good villain, you don't have a good story. They're like the gasoline that 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 you know powers these stories forward. You know, you you must have something for the for the for the plot and the hero to push against. Otherwise, you know, so the stronger the villain, the better the villain, the better the you know, the better the the uh, the more exciting the project, I think. Um so, you know, obviously. I'm sure you can tell just by the way I said all that. It's been very exciting for me. And um, I'm just happy to have been a part of it and to create it, to have created this, this legacy, you know, to be included in the the top, the top villains of all time. I it, it's it's wonderful. Uh, but again, you know, I'm a I'm a it's a it's a such a highly collaborative thing that when I first went to work on, I mean I I was like maybe if you know one section, one part of it. I don't even know how I would qualify the amount. I you know I wouldn't I I couldn't even say like one third, one third, and one third, or one quarter, one quarter, one quarter. I don't I don't <laughs> even because it's everybody works so hard and it takes such a long time, or it used to anyway. You know, so it's exciting. I mean, I you know, and and it seems like, as you said, you know, they keep kind of reinventing keep taking the same material but i think that speaks to the to the to the story and to the characters you know the fact that the original story the original story whatever it was whenever it was apparently it was originally set in china uh, in the arabian nights tales you know that it speaks to what that what it's really about and um it's just a great it's a great story it has a great you know there's a moral to it there's a lot of fantasy to it. There's craziness to it. And, uh, you know, the central theme, I think, is something that I always I always talk about when we're talking about the story that I feel is sometimes lost a bit because, I, well, what do you think the central theme is of the film? I, I personally think it's about being true to yourself and, you know, really uh, that it doesn't matter all the flash, pizzazz, like it's, it's who you are as a person is, is what you're more made of. Well, I think that's what it is. But I think the one thing that people don't talk about very much, and I don't know if they don't talk about it because it's uncomfortable or not, is that it's it's about freedom. And, you know, the reason that the genie has traditionally always been African is because he's a slave to the lamp and he's been a slave to the lamp for 10,000 years, they, they say in our version, uh, shackled and 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 chained to this lamp. Um, I think that being true to yourself has has you know is 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 also to do with the freedom because when you know the genie gets his freedom uh because somebody told the truth because the 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 central character of Aladdin is is has decided to step up to the plate and do the right thing and so he gets his freedom in a way by telling the truth Jasmine gets her freedom by saying I want to marry this person. I don't care what he is, what he's because what he's made of is more important. So I think it's a combination of those things. But I feel like this the the, the symbolism of the genie uh, being so central to the piece is is something that I don't know why people don't talk about it, but maybe that's why. I don't know. No, you do bring up a good point about that though. 
because he is he's he easily could have come off as just the kind of goofy side character that's kind of there throughout the story to be somewhat of a do sex machina but he is quite a part of the story and, and i think yeah having robin really add that comedy but the heart there is so much depth that he adds to that and you feel that in there especially those more quieter moments when he's talking aloud and he's like you know it's we, yeah we always feel bad when al has to make the you know i can't give you your freedom and we all feel so bummed when you know we always have that kind of sec end of the second act and we're like oh genie's not gonna get his freedom and by the end our hero pulls through so works out for everybody i mean you know that's the that's the thing about great stories i mean they're you know they they i think that that's one of the reasons that it's been so successful and that all the characters have been so successful it's a it is a character driven plot and the themes are very strong and so it i'm not going to tell you it wasn't there was no challenge in working on it because there were a lot of challenges but as anybody who's in the business will tell you when there's a solid script that's a great story and the characters are well drawn no pun intended <laughs> i think you can't hopefully i'm knocking on wood go too far off the rails yeah 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 and it worked out lovely so well jonathan we really do thank you for your time today uh, to talk about your experience with our one of our favorite movies, Aladdin, the happy 30th anniversary to this project. And like we said, with Disney Plus, I mean, the future is limitless. I mean, we've had now Maleficent, Cruella. Maybe we'll get the Jafar origin story or Jafar series, uh, you know, <laughs> animated. And you could continue to voice this incredible character. But uh, thank you so much for your time today. We really do appreciate it. It is a pleasure. Nice to meet you, Chris Taylor. Thank nice you, Jonathan. And uh, real quick before we go, um, for our fans who will be listening to this coming up, where can they follow you on social media? Um, is there any hashtag or, you know, Instagram, Facebook or anything? Uh, Instagram uh, and on uh, Cameo. Mm -hmm. on yeah. Cameo. Yes, we can vouch for that. We, yeah. <laughs> we just in Cameo. He is on Cameo. Welcome. Yes. It's awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's the best way. Right, right. I'm not spread too thin. <laughs> it's too much. It's all too much. I mean, it's a lot just to keep up with for me, but it well, is we, a, you're handling it well. Well, we do appreciate so that. To see what people actually think. Yeah. To hear what people think. It's always it's always a pleasure, actually. Well, thank you, Jonathan. We will uh once we release this, we'll uh we'll share with you on your social so you can uh share uh, share along with everyone so we can celebrate <laughs> this year. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Well, that was just quite a sweet treat uh, and quite an honor. You know, I, what's crazy is sometimes, you know, you look at, uh, you look back at your life. And again, this movie is 30 years old now, yeah. and I still have fond memories of owning the VHS cassette tape. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, with the kind of the binding that Disney had, it was kind of like, you know, it was like kind of squishy a bit when you'd close it up. <laughs> and uh, just I'd watch this movie with my brothers all the time. And to think of all the time in your life that you've heard Jafar's voice from the original movie uh, to, you know, all these other things that he's gotten to do and and the Kingdom Hearts video games. And then to actually, I saw him perform that role on Broadway. And then here we are chatting with him on our podcast. It's just one of those things where it's kind of like takes you takes you out of your head for a second. You go like, I literally was looking above crazy. my body. like, oh. <laughs> And I remember folks listening chris and i got off this interview and we literally like faced on each other and we're like did that just happen like it was it's it was... just cool it's a cool thing you know he's very down to earth and yeah. what i really respect is you know as a fellow actor how much this has meant to him because it's continued work and he you know you never think things are going to become such grand scale as they do no and as it's he said it's job, a job you know it's been the gift that keeps on giving as he mm -hmm. said like you know and you ask a lot of these, you know, people who have worked on these projects like Jonathan Freeman or, um, you know, think of anyone where when you get a job, you don't know what it's going to be like. And then to think 30 years later, 
not only that the movie was so big and it, it's still resonating with audiences that, you know, there would be uh, a sequel and then there would be a TV show, all these specials. And then he gets to actually continue that work and then do it on stage and where that was his roots. It's like, you know, yeah, you never, as he said, you never set out to do a flop, but you set out to do the work, but then to look back and like, just to sit with that a bit. And I, hey, who knows, maybe this podcast 30 years from now will be like, look, we, look what we did. Yeah, when we get, uh, it, it, we're going to start having animated remakes of the live action remake. Uh, that, they're going to go back <laughs> to animate what we did, you know. But, you know, speaking of remakes and just speaking of, you know, legacy and franchises, Jonathan yeah, yeah, yeah. talked about. Yeah, Aladdin has done very well for itself. I mean, the original yes. movie was a huge hit, uh, you know. We definitely loved it. I, I, I'm pretty sure I was too young to have seen it in theaters. I think Lion King was probably one of the first movies I saw in theaters for Disney, at least. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's had a huge, uh, you know, home media uh, campaign for so long. And the movie did very well financially for Disney. I mean, I'm sure it's had multiple re-releases since then. But this bad boy has made over $500 million at the box office, which is pretty good for a movie that came out in 1992. So yeah, we, you know, that first movie did very well. Uh, not to mention, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure a uh, whole new world, I think won, you know, a whole new world won the Oscar. Uh, uh-huh. And, you know, at some point. Uh, and uh, no, and the, then of course, the other version of the song by Pima Bryson and Regina Bell won the Grammy. For award for Grammy, the year. yep. Um, Robin Williams was given a, a special Golden Globe, I believe it was, for his voice work as the genie, just like you know, like that. I mean, it, it was definitely loved, and they started making more. So we we had Return of the Jafar, uh, the follow up film. Yeah, which at, for direct to video sequels go, I still go back and enjoy that for what it was. Of course, you can't compare the animation, but then to have Jonathan Freeman back as Jafar. Of course, we didn't get, you know, and then to have a third one with, you know, uh, in the, the 40 Thieves with Robin Williams back. Which I love that one. Yeah. Oh, yes. That one's then, a really good movie. I would agree. Um, yeah, it was interesting. You know, you don't want to get too far to the, the nitty gritty of it, but there were some issues with Robin Williams and Disney and the studio and things about where his voice could be used for certain things. And uh, Disney being Disney just used them anyway. So that's why he pulled out and did not want to do the Return of Jafar. Um, but he did come back for a lot of the King of Thieves. So they must have uh, either they paid him a really big check or someone, you know, finally got on their knees and begged. But yeah, we've we've had these other movies and then, you know, we had a whole Aladdin animated series. Oh, yeah. Um, which was great. You know, that was kind of the age of they would have these movies come out and then they would do a series. And we had yeah, Little Mermaid for a yeah, series. Yeah, I love Hercules. Those. I love Hercules. And then they had the crossover. Hercules. Yeah. And Aladdin. yeah. <laughs> it was kind of fun to see the, and, you know, and then we've had other shows that Aladdin's popped up on. Yeah. Um, as we Mouse. mentioned, House <laughs> Mouse. We always love House Mouse. Um, as we mentioned, Kingdom Hearts. And I mean, Aladdin's had multiple video games, video games for its own series. Um, he's popped up in various things. Um, like we said, Kingdom Hearts, I think Kingdom Hearts was the best representation for Aladdin in terms of those games are really unique in that you actually had a chance to, the hero of that world would join you so you could play with them and their unique skill sets. And you were kind of going through their story. You experienced the movie through that, through a different lens. And I just remember the, the first time playing it and you get to fight Jafar both as his like supreme sorcerer kind of version, but then later you get to fight him as his genie version when he's like the dark evil genie. That's just cool. It was, it was, and we've talked about this in our previous Kingdom Hearts episode, but that was probably my favorite world. Still, when I've gone back and replayed Kingdom Hearts, I just, I think I had such a fondness for that particular world and to be able to fight and again, Jonathan Freeman providing that likeness and voice for that again. And Kingdom Hearts 2 is cool. Like when you actually got to ride like the magic carpet and go yeah. around and, and you would actually fight bosses while on the magic carpet. It was like, yeah, this, <laughs> this is what we life? want. <laughs> there's been so many games that they've popped up in. And, uh, you know, now there's this new game out, uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley, that me and my fiance are obsessed with. And there's been no representation of Aladdin in his story yet, but I feel like there's a lot that that game's going to add over time. I feel like down the road, 
um, the Delphi pop up because even like Scar is in it right now. You could you could oh, do nice. stuff with Scar. So I could see Jafar popping up. And we talked about that starting this year and next year we have that uh, light racer or that Disney racer thing that's going to yeah. be coming out. So that'll be actually kind of fun because I've seen the previews for that. Um, that looks pretty interesting. I just want to hear John. I want to hear Jonathan Freeman say, "Step on the gas, Prince Abu." And I was like, "You're only a fool if you give up, boy." <laughs> um. And then, yeah, and so the video games and all that, and then we've talked about this just with Jonathan, but then to have a live action remake of Aladdin. Yeah, so we got the remake in 2019. Um, and actually, you know, I do I do classify that Aladdin as one of the better live action remakes. I would agree, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, Guy Ritchie directed that, and, you know, he brought a lot of great, like blockbuster style fun and pomp and action to it, which I think for Aladdin works because Aladdin is this, he's this thief. He he's quick on his feet. So all the stuff with like him trying to, you know, they brought a lot of parkour elements to it. Um, the big thing was obviously we, we knew the genie was going to be Will Smith, who we knew no one could replace Robin Williams, but if they wanted to try to do what they could, um, well, Smith was a good, you know, way to go because he brought his own style to it. You know, yeah, they didn't, didn't try, try to, to be yeah, try to funny. rehash it. Yeah, he's funny naturally, and they did more of his style of comedy, not someone that does a bunch of impressions and you know wackadoo kind of stuff that Robin was doing. And friend like me works really well. You know, he kind of did more of like a hip hop, rap kind of version, which really worked. But we both agreed, as much as we like this actor, and he played almost exact same role just two months ago in black Adam. I mean, literally almost felt like the same role. And he turns into a red demon genie looking thing at the end too. The actor that was cast to play Jafar in the live action, um, which obviously just from representation representation standpoint, they went much more of like, you know, obviously trying to be correct casting of more of a middle Eastern actor. He doesn't come off as menacing because of the high pitched voice. And it's just not the Jafar. I think the thing too with Jafar for me from the animated movie and just for all the iterations of that character in animated form, he's this tall, slender, like he looks like a giant man with his huge turban and everything. He looks like he would just completely tower over Aladdin and Jasmine. And that's a very menacing thing to it. Well, even in the animation, he's always kind of like when he like when he's he like hunches over to talk to the Sultan or, you know, he has these and his hands are everything's much more large than life. And it's so intimidating. A lot of the scenes you see him towering over people or when he does get the lamp, he's like he looks even bigger. So I think that that was the thing that, again, we love what we love about Jafar is he's just so intimidating and enticing where um, the actor Marwan Kanzari, he, he has done great work. I've seen him other stuff like the old guard, um, but with Aladdin, it just with such an iconic villain, I wanted more of a, a, a deeper booming voice, you know, especially when you're compared to someone Aladdin who has a little bit more of the charm and stuff. And so that's, that's where the film fell flat in terms of the Aladdin legacy for me. Yeah. just one of the things where I, at the end of the day, I'm going to pop on the original. I'm not going to watch the remake. Um, there has been talks of a sequel to that Aladdin. Again, we're not sure if they would do more of the return to you know, Jafar story or, king of thieves or who knows what um for some random thing and i don't know why they didn't do this i think this is a stupid idea they want to do a spinoff of the prince anders character from the live action movie which is just stupid one idea i do like is genies though there's a talk of maybe a genies movie or spinoff of how the world of genies even happens like in the you know in aladdin like where do genies come from how they're made uh maybe even talking about the how they become you know kind of slaves to the lamp and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So there's still so much more to see from Aladdin. And like we said, we've had this awesome Broadway musical that has had quite a life on Broadway and is now at the West was doing the West end for a little while uh, touring across the States. You can obviously see all these characters at the theme parks all over the place. I mean, there was an Aladdin show at California adventure for years. You can meet these characters. Jafar, you will see quite a bit. Yeah. Um, there's there's definitely a tape I have somewhere at my parents' house from like a visit to Disneyland when I'm like four. 
of me interacting with uh, Jafar, which is just kind of <laughs> funny because awesome. I didn't get to play Jafar when I worked at Disney, but um, just to think, you know, that was going to be my life one day was to to <laughs> dress up as these characters. But yeah, Aladdin has become like these powerhouse franchises. And the thing that's always been interesting to me is really no one else has tackled Aladdin outside of Disney. Yeah. Which is weird because... Well, and that that is true. I would say there's been... Because then they don't necessarily own the rights to these things because these aren't original. Like you think about Little Mermaid's Hans Christian um, Anderson. Um, they've done kind of things with mermaids. Beauty and the Beast, they've done kind of like spinoffs with shows and, and things like that. And even... Um, but yeah, I it's... Well, I will tell you, actually... There has been some of the, I don't know if you remember, you know, the kid in King Arthur's court. Yeah. They had a sequel kid in Aladdin's palace. Oh, okay. So that was one time where, um, where he actually, and the guy who plays the genie in that very, he's been in like so many things. It was very, mm-hmm. very funny. And the guy, the Jafar in that was actually really good. He was like, Oh, the deliverer. And he was very, mm. very intense. So that was like the one, but it was again, direct to VHS. And it's, Kind of goofy and you know low budget. Yeah, there there is some kind of Aladdin movie I remember seeing on TV before, probably like a not in theaters Aladdin. Um, I used to have like an old like old cartoon set that was like you know it was like folk tales and stuff. And there was a Aladdin story in that, but I've always been kind of fascinated that there's these stories that are kind of anyone can do a movie to, and you'd see more like a dark gritty Aladdin told one day, or even like you know. Uh, Aladdin and the 40 Thieves or something. And we've really never like had anything like that. So in a way, Disney kind of owns this domain just because no one else has really taken a crack at it. Um, but I mean, you look at all the stuff they've done in the 30 years since that first movie has come out. They've done so much with this character and the story that it, you kind of go, well, they're going to keep doing it. And, you know, if we get another live action remake, as I said, with this maybe Aladdin sequel, it kind of opens up this whole world to who knows what they're going to do. And like I said, when I told Jonathan, I actually meant this, you know, we've had these villain prequels be a thing now. Yes, we have. Um, Maleficent has had two movies. Cruella did very well. And a lot of people did like that movie. So I wouldn't be surprised if down the line we get, you know, where did Jafar come from? How did he become this dark sorcerer? How did he be, how did he find his, you know, his snake cane? Like, you know, there, there's so many things that they could kind of go into of like his origin story and how he even becomes to work for the Sultan. And that'd be kind of cool. Like, and I would even love to see if they weren't wanting to do like a live action thing. Yes. Just do a thing with animation yes. and have Jonathan voice it. Yes. Yeah. You know, it'd be kind of cool to see like a dark, like he was the brother of somebody and he does some bad things and then he works his way up. And Or even making, be- because I think, you know, when they've done this where, yeah, and the animated, the Sultan's kind of a little kind of a, He's a Adults. jolly fun, you know, yeah. he's Santa with a turban. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and then we've seen in what we've seen in the live action lab and they were like, well, the Sultan maybe not is such a benevolent leader. So you even kind of turn it in that maybe, maybe something happened. So he works his way up to, to get the ultimate revenge on the Sultan. I mean, in similar fashion to Cruella, but yeah, I would think, and I would love to see if Jonathan Freeman came back to do something with Jafar because they're, there could be a lot, or you know what? Honestly, I wouldn't mind doing it. I want to see a Kingdom Hearts film or a series, and 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 do even do an animated like one because for people who don't play the video games, we've seen this now with like The Last of Us and all these other. You know, um, I would love to see that too. That could be cool and have a big crossover. Well, you know, with the Mario movie coming up, I think if that does very well, I think there's going to be a new, you know, kind of movement to we can do video game properties and it works fine if it is animated. So maybe we will see what happens with that Um, because yeah, there's a lot of possibilities. And remember we do have kingdom hearts four coming out, even though there's always been a push for new worlds in every game. I mean, a lot of the first several games always went back to the same, like eight places. And when I had a couple here and there, a lot of them was always like a staple for at least the first kind of 10 years of kingdom hearts properties. So there's plenty that can happen, and I'm sure we will see 
uh, plenty more down the way uh, when it comes to our our street rat and his team. But uh, yeah, Taylor, you know, looking back 30 years, it's hard to believe, but uh, you know, I'll always love that original animated film. It really just hits all the notes you want from great music, incredible action. The characters really stand out. Great hero, awesome villain, hilarious sidekick, uh, you know, beautiful damsel. And, you know, it's, it's, it's great. It's a great movie. It's done very well for itself. It's clearly started this huge franchise, one of the biggest that Disney has. And I'm excited to see where the future goes for Aladdin and what we might get uh, down the down the pipeline. You know, it's a it's a whole new world out world. there, as yes, they it say. Is. It's a whole new world. A dazzling place. Who I hasn't sung knew. that song? Come yes. on. And, you, and you, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You sing. You sing both Jasmine's parts. part too. You sing yes, both parts. Know. Yeah, it's all right. We knew it. <laughs> but um, yeah, we really appreciate. Uh, we got to have Jonathan on the podcast today. It was really cool. Uh, go follow him on the uh, Instagram, and as he said, uh, hire him on Cameo. Uh, Taylor got me a Cameo of him for my birthday. It was a lot of fun. He's I may right have there. to. I may have to uh, release that and the reaction video okay. <laughs> for hey. sure. Thank you all, and uh, we will see you next year. May all your wishes come true. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.